0: So today, today is a, a, a pretty cool day. You don't get this every year, and that is July 4th, falling on a Sunday. And so it's, it's, it's kind of this, I, I would almost use the word dichotomy, because we're here as a, as a church, and we are here to rightly, as American citizens, celebrate this country and our independence. And, you know, hey, listen, I know America's got its problems, Let's, let's be clear, we, we have our own problems. Um, but if you travel abroad, as I have done, and I know so many of you have done, I, I am just convinced this is the greatest country in the planet. Come on, sister, in the planet. I have been known quite often to, to hit the ground when I touch back in the, in the States and kiss the sidewalk on which we walk. I love this country. And yet, as we celebrate our independence as a nation, Uh, As Christians, I don't know if you've kind of figured this out or not, but like we don't claim much independence of anything. Like I am not too proud to say I'm not, I'm not independent. I, I am utterly dependent upon Almighty God. I'm utterly dependent upon you as the family of God. And so, um, you know, it's just an interesting Sunday. But before we crack open the word, uh, I, I, this wasn't even in the order of worship, but I stumbled upon it this weekend. And I'm like, you know what? We need to show that in church. Let this inspire you. Check it out. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created in The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on Earth. Or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. This is our Independence Day. Our story is unparalleled. It's one small step for man. It's one of true exceptionalism. One giant leap for man. You and I have a rendezvous with death. In the memorable days, I have found an Olympian fortitude. country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what your country can do for you. We know that quote so well. But ask what you can do for your country. And if I might say so myself, I believe the most important thing any human being can do for this country is to put God in the crosshairs of his or her life and pursue Christ with everything you have. Because whether or not the culture recognizes it anymore, we are a nation under God. And to the extent to which we put God first and serve God and stay true to God is is a sense in which this country will rise or fall in the future. Go ahead and open up your Bible to Matthew chapter three. And as you're doing that, I just kind of want to set the stage and, and say a few things. Hey, um, a lot of times communicators don't do what I'm about to do. A lot of times we have a job, you know, we're, we're trying to communicate. We know where we want to move you at the end, but we normally kind of keep it hidden until there's that aha moment. Guess what? I'm going to turn that on his head today. I'm going to tell you right now, right now, what I want to do today. I have a goal in mind. Look at your neighbor and say, he's got a goal. I got got a goal in mind, and my goal is to get as many of you as I possibly can to get into the waters of baptism today and get baptized. Amen. Like, why hide it, right? Why play that game? I am going to preach on baptism today, and my goal is if you have not experienced a full-fledged believer's baptism where you publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to challenge you to do that today because I can think of no better day. Then July 4th, come on, where you can say on, 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 on every 4th of July going forward, I know we celebrate our independence as a nation, but I went public with my faith and declared my dependence upon God and let the world know that I am his and he is mine. Matthew. So what I'm talking about today is these defining moments. And life is made up of defining moments. And the question is, do we seize those defining moments? I don't know if you're like this, but I've had many uh, instances in my life where I've gone home later and realized I missed a defining moment. I just missed it. Um, defining moments, milestone moments are key and I'm believing July 4th can be that for you. Just think about defining moments uh, for just a second. The most epic defining moment of all time, right, was this picture right here, Jesus Christ dying on a cross for you and for me. Epic, monumental, milestone defining moment was Jesus on the cross. Everything else pales in comparison to that. But what about, here's another one. Perfect to do this on July 4th. Here's July 4th, 1776, right? There they are. Aren't you glad dress styles have changed? (laughs) And hairstyles, I'm just saying, right? But that was a defining moment. How about November 4th, 2008, when our nation elected the first African-American president (laughs) ever? Come on now. Now, I don't, I don't care if you disagree with him on his politics. That was a defining moment and a wonderful defining moment for our country, right? Right, so life is made up of these defining moments. All of you have a birthday in here. I don't know when you were born, but you all have a birthday. That was a defining moment for you, wouldn't you say? Like, uh, but what about your spiritual birthday when you accepted Christ? For me, it was October 23rd, 1988. That was a defining moment for me. More important than my birthday is my spiritual birthday. Then then I go to March 1993 when I got baptized as a believer. Accepted Christ in 88 but got baptized not until 1993. It was a defining moment for me. Do you have a defining moment whereby you said, you know what, I'm going public and I'm going to be baptized in Christ and for Christ and declare my faith. And again, that's what I hope you will do today. If you don't have a significant baptism experience, Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17, if you love the word of the Lord, let me hear you say, praise the Lord. Lord. Oh, you guys are great. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, Jordan River, to be baptized by John. But John tried to defer him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Verse 15, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all, what church? pleased. May God bless the reading of his word. I'm going to move fast today because we got a party. Don't worry about going out and spending money on lunch somewhere. Don't worry about beating the Baptist or the Methodist or the Presbyterian to your favorite restaurant. You ain't got to worry about it, baby. We got food coming. We got games. We got all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to move fast today. Write this down. A lot of you have been taking pictures of slides in in church lately. Baptism is not an option. Baptism is not optional It is extremely important. Why don't you just say that with me, ready, go. Baptism is not optional, it is extremely important. Look at what the Bible says, verse 13, read that out loud with me, you did that so well. Here we go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, if you're not careful, you will skip right over that verse because it just kind of sounds like, oh, well, so what? Yeah, he, he came, he got baptized. This is where if you know the scriptures or you know the geography, this verse takes on profound meaning. Some of you have been contacting me because I've mentioned the Holy Land recently. You want to go to the Holy Land with me. We're probably going to go in the year 2022, maybe 2023. We'd love to have you. If you know the geography of what the Bible is saying here, it communicates this one point, and that is baptism is extremely important. And here's why Jesus walked 60 miles to get baptized, he walked 60 miles to get baptized. I was in my recliner not long ago. I didn't want to walk to the kitchen to get something to drink. So I asked Joshua to get it for me, right? Right? I mean, come on. 60 feet to get baptized. And at all of our campuses, we're going to invite you to walk 60 miles. I'm sorry, 60 miles to get baptized. We're going to invite you to walk 60 feet to get baptized. That's a long walk. How many of you? How many of you done marathons? Let's start. Let's start lower than that. How many of you done half marathons? Half marathons. I've done like three half marathons. Half marathons. Thirteen point one. Right. And I get finished and people are always like, you're gonna do a whole one? Get thee behind me. <laughs> Heck no, I ain't gonna do a whole one. I'm about dead right now. I didn't think I was gonna make it in the last five miles. What are you talking about? Like when I get done with 13.1 miles, guys, listen, I, there's no way, and I know God is able, there's no way. <laughs> there, there's no way this old boy is gonna run 26.2 miles. How many of you have done full marathons? Because you're my heroes, man, you rock. My brother back here, Oh, look at you. Brother, give it up for the full marathon people. That's ridiculous, and that's twenty six point two. Jesus walked sixty miles to get baptized. That's how important it was. Mind if you a story of a, a young guy? He was he, he had his permit. He was about to get his license. I just mentioned Josh is like my boy Josh. Josh just got his permit this past week. You need to get off the road. <laughs> Or pray really, really hard. He's a good driver, actually. Josh got his permit, but it reminds me of this guy. He had his permit, but he, he wanted to get his license. And Josh was already like hitting me up for like October, November, getting his license. And, and, and the dude was saying to his dad, Dad, I want to get my license. It's coming. I want to get my license. And the dad, good parents always seize the moment. Good parents always look for teaching opportunities. So the dad said, well, you know, I've been thinking about that, bud. And um, you might get your license, but there's a few things you need to work on. Number one, you actually need to get your grades up. You need to get your grades up, your school's not that, that good. Number two, you need to do the chores around here. When your mom and I give you some chores, you need to do the chores. And thirdly, you need to cut your daggum hair. He had long hair, he had long hair. And he said, you do those three things, do your chores, get your grades up and cut your hair, I'll let you get your license. A few months went by and the boy came back up to his dad, he's like, Dad, I wanna to talk to you, it's getting close, now's the time, now's the time we, we can go get our license. And the dad said, well talk to me, how you doing on those three things? And uh, he said, I'm doing all right with that, Dad said, well, I got to admit, I noticed that you're doing chores much better around the house. Good job. Good job. And I also saw your report card recently. Your grades have gotten up. Good job. But, but what's up with the hair? And, and, and the guy took a deep breath. And he goes, well, Dad, I've been thinking. And I've also, Dad, you'll be glad to know. I've been reading my Bible. And, Dad, I want to let you know. I found something. I discovered Jesus had long hair. <laughs> you got give, to give him credit, Right. But his dad didn't miss a beat, and he said, oh yeah, and he walked everywhere he went too. (laughs) 60 miles Jesus walked to get baptized, guys. Come on, it is extremely, extremely important. And I just wanna challenge you again to get baptized. Here's the second thing. It is time to get past my objections. Say that out loud with me. Ready? Go. It is time I get past my objections. Now say it like you mean it to yourself really strongly. Go. It is time I get past my objections. Even as I've been talking about it today, and I came right out of the gate saying, Hey, here's my goal. I want you to get baptized. I want to get as many people baptized as I can today. I'm not trying to hide it. It's biblical. It's not me speaking. It's God's word speaking. If you've never had a public profession of faith to get baptized, I want to challenge you to get into the waters of baptism. But since I did that, some of you have been arguing with me in your mind. Maybe not personally with me, but you're arguing with me. You're doing this mental game where you're thinking of reasons why you should not get baptized. And I would say to you, you need to build a bridge and get over your objections. Ladies, you know what the number one objection I hear from women? My hair. My hair, I just, I just got my hair done. Hey, I don't wanna waste your money. If you just got your hair done like in the last couple days, I'll pay to get your hair done again. You, you need to get baptized. I, did I just say that? What am I thinking? Oh my Lord, oh my Lord. I said the last couple days, don't you be coming up to me lying, talking about you got your hair done Friday, and it was like four Fridays ago. No, recently. (laughs) What about my hair or my makeup? Come on, ladies. He died on a cross for you. He died on a cross for you. Crown jammed upon his head, bleeding, spear in his side, spikes in his hands and feet, and you're worried about your hair? I love you, but I love you enough to say, come on. Guys, guys, I ain't letting you off the hook, y'all. We we think we all bowed up, we all bad, we all cool. Like baptism, I'm saying, that's weak of me. I uh, I don't want, I don't need to go get wet. I don't know how I'll look when I come out in my shirt. I ain't got my I ain't got my beach bod ready. Come on. He died for you on a cross. The most rugged, manly thing you can do is jump into the waters of baptism and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16. The most powerful thing you can do is be bold in your faith. Look at verse 14. But John tried to deter him. John is trying to come up with objections for Jesus. Some people might be doing that with you today. You can wait, you can wait. You tell them, get thee behind me. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me?" John, what is he thinking trying to deter Jesus from getting baptized? You need to get over your objections. Some of you are thinking, "Well, didn't, didn't my parents do that when I was a kid? Yes, maybe. But I got news for you. That wasn't a believer's baptism. And the scriptures is really, really clear. This is why we dedicate children. we baptize believers. And the scripture is really clear. That, that baptism is for believers. And there, there's, it's unequivocal in the scriptures. There's no examples of baptizing children. Now, don't go home, don't call your mama when you leave here today and say, y'all got it all wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> but, 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 but see your believer's baptism as a continuation of or an exclamation point on what God started so many years ago when you were a little baby. But the Bible is clear on believers' Baptism. Some of you have the objection you're scared, like you don't swim. I got you, man. I'm bringing you out, I promise you. We're going in together. I'm not one of these who stands outside of baptistry so I don't get wet. And do no, no, I'm in there with you. And I promise you, we're coming out. All right, I, listen, I've been doing this 30 years, I think it is now. I've never lost a single person. I'm batting a thousand, baby. Come on, I, I will bring. Now, if I know you, and there's all kind of sin in your life, I'm liable to keep you down a little bit longer. <laughs> I gotta wash you off a little bit down in there. But I look, I promise you. Look at me. I pro, I'm bringing you out. You don't have anything to be scared about. And, and here's another one. I hear something. Well, well, pastor, I'm just a private person. Do you know that in Matthew 10, 32 to 33, the Bible says this, this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Listen, your faith is personal. It ain't private. It ain't private. If, if, come on now. If, if, you, if you disown God publicly, Jesus says, I'll disown you before my Father in heaven. But if you own me, Romans 1:16, if you're not ashamed of the gospel and you're willing to publicly declare your faith, he says that he will own us before His Father. There are 27 references to, to baptism in the New Testament, and they all happen after a person believes in Jesus and is saved. Twenty-seven references. That's why? When we get out there, here's one objection of you. Some of you might be saying, "Why well, didn't dress for it? We got you covered. We got shirts for you." Here's what they say: "Saved and unashamed. Saved and unashamed. What's that verse? Can y'all, do y'all see that? Y'all see that scripture reference underneath there? What is it? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto men for the salvation of our souls. Right? Not ashamed of the gospel. So, we've got everything you need. We got shorts, we got shirts, and I'm just wondering what are you waiting on? The first one is baptism is not optional, it is extremely important. Here's the second one read it out loud with me. It is time I get past my objections. And number three, I must get baptized ASAP. Now, I know as a communicator, especially in the 21st century, when I was in seminary at Duke and and then when I went to Kentucky and continued right before starting this church, homiletical professors would say, hey, whatever you do, don't use words like must. Or or you have to. It's just too challenging for this this culture that we live in. Soften it up a little bit. You know what? If you're a homiletical professor and you were watching me, there's a time when you need to use the word must. And here it is. I must get baptized. A-S-A-P. Because listen, Jesus didn't say, here's an idea. Form a committee. (laughs) And vote upon it. And follow Robert's rules of order. No, 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 no. Scripture is clear. Get ye baptized. And so I'm just wondering today. I told you it was gonna be quick and I'm done. What are you waiting on? Have you ever had a personal, powerful, profound, baptism experience, where you gathered with your church family and you went public with your faith. Jesus said, read this verse with me, verse 15, Matthew three, fifteen. Jesus replied, let it be so, when church? Yeah. Let it be so, when? Let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. It's a defining moment. And again, I shared with you earlier how I've regretted missing some defining moments in my life. We just got finished with a mindset series and I talked a lot in that series about the voices, right? Voices that we hear from the enemy as opposed to voices that we hear from God's word. Kingdoms are clashing right now, right now. And you're gonna listen to either the voice of the enemy who says, oh, don't worry about it. You don't need, you don't need to publicly profess your faith. Or you're gonna listen to the voice of God's word. And here's what I know about you. See, I know this about you because this is true about me and this is true about every single person in this room or at a campus or online. Here's what I know about you. Every single one of us, we desire to experience the blessings of God in our lives. True? Come on, that's why you're here. You wouldn't be here unless you desired the blessings of God, unless some spouse or parent drug your butt here. But you're here because you desire to experience the blessings of God. Correct? Yeah. But here's what enough people don't tell you. If you wanna experience the blessings of God in your life, you better practice obedience to God in your life. Come on now. See, everybody in our culture wants blessings from God. They might not call him Jesus or whatever. Everybody wants the blessings of God, but very few people wanna obey God. I say it like this, obedience leads to the blessings and opportunities of God defining moments when you're, when you're at a crossroads, which way am I going to go? Am I going to listen to the voice of, of God that I think I'm hearing right now, the Spirit leading me, what the Scripture says, or am I going to walk in disobedience? And I'm here to tell you that if you walk in obedience, on the other side of obedience is the blessings of God. And is there a better day than on July 4th? <laughs> For the rest of your life, to be able to celebrate the 4th of July with fireworks or whatever you do on the 4th of July, and wherever God will take you in your future, to be able to celebrate such a great momentous day for our nation, but then remember that was the day that I declared I am dependent upon God and I'm willing to boldly profess my faith in Jesus. I ask it like this in my notes. How in the world can we claim that Jesus is Lord if we are not willing to do the very first thing Jesus did and the very first thing he asked us to do as followers? You see, the way you know the will of God is to know the Word of God. And the way you experience the blessings of God is to obey the Word of God. And in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, we read it earlier, but just one more time, as soon as Jesus, it's called a theophany. Scholars come up with this fancy word. They call it a theophany. It's a really strange experience in the New Testament. We only see it twice. It's when the voice of God thunders from heaven. And in Matthew 3, 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am what? I am well pleased. And I just gotta tell you, I believe this. When a man or a woman or a child or a student gets into the waters of baptism and they believe and they go under. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. They, They go under as the old person and they rise to new life, very symbolic. They rise to new life as a new person. If you can have ears of faith, I believe you will hear the spirit of God say, this is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. So what are you gonna do? We got everything you need. You have no legitimate excuse. If you came here today and you are saved and you've had a powerful baptism, man, praise God, you gather around with me and you help me celebrate those who jump in the waters of baptism. But if you're here and you believe and you've never had a defining moment, I mean a true, legit moment where you were publicly professing your faith in Christ. I don't mean when you were a baby I don't even mean when you were an adult maybe earlier in life and somebody pressured you into it or maybe it kind of meant something to you but you've kind of wandered away from the faith and now you're back and you know I need to do this. Then we want to meet you out there and I'm going to go change clothes and I'm going to get in there with you and we want to baptize you and we want to gather around and we want to celebrate that moment with you. What you gonna do? And don't you even think for a moment, he ain't talking to me. Oh, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Now, if you don't know Christ, you came today and you're not even sure if you died today. You don't even know where you would go. If you left here on your way home and you hit the proverbial bus or the proverbial bus hits you, you don't know that you would spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, here's what you need to do today. You need to accept Jesus Christ right now, and this is what you see in the scriptures. You need to run straight to the baptistry and get baptized. What you see in the scriptures is salvation and baptism is usually how it works in conjunction with one another. So I wanna give you a chance to accept the Lord. Hey, God loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you. A sacrificial death. Jesus didn't need, Jesus didn't need to to die on a cross to forgive himself. He was the sinless son of God. He did it for you. If you really think about it, Jesus didn't even need to get baptized. He did it for us as an example to follow him into the waters of baptism. He loves you with a ferocious love. And he loves you so much that he left heaven and he came and he lived among us 2,000 years ago for approximately 33 years. He showed us the ways of God. And he told us very clearly, there's two destinies for people. There, there are those who will die and face a Christless eternity in a place called hell. And I know our culture doesn't believe too much in that anymore, but listen, that's what the scripture teaches and that's what I'm gonna teach. There's a place called hell and real people go there. I don't like that as much as you don't like that. But I don't get to write the story. And then he also taught, but there's this other way and it's called heaven, where that a person comes to know Christ and becomes a Christian and their sins are forgiven. And when they get before the judgment seat of Christ one day and the Bible says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God one day. That if you are in Christ, if you have received him as your Lord and Savior, and you put your whole faith, hope, and trust not in anything you do, not in any of your accolades, not in your education, not in your athletic acumen, but in Jesus Christ, you get to the judgment seat of God one day, and the Bible is crystal clear. God will look at you and say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant for the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. And if you've never just surrendered your life to God and said, God, I'm tired of trying to do it all on my own. I'm tired of trying to earn it. Some of you grew up in very religious homes and you've been trying to earn it your whole life. You can't earn it. It's grace. It's God's goodness and grace. It says, here is a free gift Take, receive, believe. And the Bible says when a person does that, they are born again. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're a believer, pray right now. Storm heaven with me and pray for, for the person who is in this room or online or out of campus. If you don't know that you are saved, if there's any ounce of uncertainty, say this simple prayer in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I need you to save me. I plead the blood of Jesus that he shed on a cross for me. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. And I thank you that he didn't stay died, dead on a cross, but that you rose him to new life. So Father, I need that new life in Christ. I love you, I receive you, and I thank you for the gospel. Thank you for loving me. Help me follow you all the days of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now this is how our church feels about you if you just prayed that prayer. Welcome to the family of God.